1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Jeff here. Have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? Well, let me give you a rundown. Basically, this is the easiest way to make a podcast. It has everything you need all in one place. It's what I use. It's what I recommend to everybody I talk to about starting a podcast. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms. That includes Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I did this for our Game of the Year podcast. It went very well. People responded to it very nicely. With Anchor, creators can even earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and that's what enables Anchor to offer all of its services totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or find the Anchor app in your mobile phone store. Whether developing, playing, or simply hosting games on a server, Intel makes it happen. And Intel wants to make sure the biggest innovations in gaming continue to happen on the PC by giving developers a hand with the Intel Game Dev Program. All you have to do is sign up, and Intel will provide the resources necessary to help you continue to innovate and make gaming even more amazing. Head on over to the Game Dev Program at software.intel.com gamedev game dev to get started. Again, that URL is software.intel.com slash gamedev. Internet, You're busy. Let's do this. Welcome to the Game Speed Decides podcast. Uh, This is the podcast where we decide everything in the world of games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Hey, it's
2: Stephanie.
0: Hi, it's
1: Jason. In today's episode, we're going to go over some news. We're going to talk about some games. Uh, We don't have a second segment because we have a pretty hard stop that we got to hit. And, you know, it's fall, so there's always a lot to talk about just kind of in the news and what we're playing anyhow. Uh, But before we get on to all of that, I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can get more from Stephanie, me, Jason at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email the podcast at games plus podcast at venturebeat.com. We also have a Twitter account uh, that's at gamesbeat or at GB decides. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, uh, there's an audio version of this show. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, a bunch of other places wherever pods are caught. And then finally, if you like the show, give us a rating. It helps people find it. Um, we're going to hop right into things, uh, but I want to point out the first, the reason we're not having Mike on here uh, is because I'm furious with him. I'm just mad. He's getting to play Mario and I'm not. And really, he can't talk about Mario at all uh, until uh, a couple of days from now. So I figured it'd be easier than having him come on here and try to make up some BS to talk about instead. It's just kick him off the show entirely and have you guys on. So thank you for coming and just being better than Mike in every way possible.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be
1: here. Um, so, yeah, why don't we kind of get into it uh, and start with some of the games that we've been playing. Uh, Jason, why don't you kind of kick it off? Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to play some Divinity Original Sin 2, when I get some chances. I haven't had a lot. Uh, so why don't you give me uh, motivation to get back in there?
0: Well, okay, so I was supposed to be reviewing this, and about 22 hours in, my save got corrupted.
1: Oof. Yeah.
0: And so for a game that where the main story is like 35 to 40 hours... That's a big problem. It's a big and when jump. you have my schedule where you have the two kids to help take care of and a house and a wife and blah, 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 blah. Um, it makes reviewing things a little hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. However, um, so I'm almost back to where I was, which was in the middle of Chapter 2 when my save corrupted and I had to restart. Um, so the things I'm really liking about this, first of all, the combat system, you've got, there's two different parts I really like. First part is the interactions between elements and your abilities, such as if you get everything wet and then you electrocute it, you can stun people or freeze people, and then you can get them frozen to where they're paralyzed. I really enjoy that. The um, second thing I'm really digging when it comes to the combat is you have armor for physical attacks and then armor for magic attacks, and then you just had your health pool. So that way, when you approach an enemy, you have to decide, okay, well, where are they strongest? Their physical armor or their magic armor? Then you have to decide how you attack enemies that way. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, what makes that really good is, you know, just because you have a magic spell doesn't mean it's going to do damage against your magic armor. It might actually be having to deal with the physical armor mm-hmm. you're wearing first. So that really opens up a great deal of strategy and makes the game not as static when it comes to combat instead of just boom, bloom, 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 and just hitting right. the hit point pool. Um, that was I, kind of a silly sound effect.
1: No, it was a good one. I, I actually, yeah. I, that actually helped me understand a little bit. I, I had kind of pieced together that that was what was happening um, just a few hours it, yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, it but, doesn't
0: explain it to you at all.
1: No, yeah, you but I mean, it out. yeah, you really do. But then you kind of realize, like, it talks about physical armor. It, like, brings that up a lot. Like, this, you know, affects physical armor, or it's, like, dampened by physical armor. I'm like, why, why, like, point out that it's physical armor? Like, what is it? It's an all-armor physical. But then, yeah, I put two and two together, and it, I saw the different bars okay. and meters on each health uh, thing. And yeah. how, like, one of one thing I was doing was bring, bringing down another person's meter in a different way. So... Uh, once I started figuring that out, I'm like, oh, okay, this really is kind of more, like you were saying, dynamic than some of the other games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I appreciate um, that.
0: I really enjoy its writing. Um, the first chapter especially had some very good emotional hooks with some yeah. of the characters you meet. Uh, like, when you get the option, there's an evil witch you're fighting, and you can decide, you know, to flirt and even kiss her before combat starts. Because she's going to attack you anyways, because she's a really cool... Like she can save the dragon, so she's really cruel. Um, but she also wants to kiss you beforehand. So, you know, there's there's something there. That that was just really funny. But then when you do that, something really interesting happens. It has no effect on the gameplay at all. It's just a very interesting story thing. Um, and then you find a blind magister. The magisters are the bad folk who are imprisoning anybody who has the ability to source. And all your characters do. You're sorcerers. That's S O U R S E. Another
1: thing that it took me, a and, and that's
0: a very nice emotional <laughs> hook. Um, the second, the second chapter to me doesn't have as many of those emotional hooks, but but instead it it does take the story to some intriguing places. You know, there's some smuggling dwarves that are very interesting, um, and then I really like this um, above ground dungeon that's called the Black Pits, um, which involves oil and some really nasty. Uh, creatures that could that come out in this one very long epic combat You're and um i'm really liking it it's it, it's getting up there to now i'm trying to decide okay well do i like this better than i do boulder's gate 2 shadows of Om, which is my favorite rpg of all time
1: right so well i mean it's good you know, that, that you can even have that conversation first. after all this time like with yourself yeah. like that's nice let, let, yeah. let me let me ask you about the game real quick uh Two things. Um, well, one thing because I can't remember the other one right now. The first thing is what character early on. Oh, I remember the other thing. But first, what characters d- do you suggest that I try to stick with? Like are, that, I should have in my party. Is there anyone that stands out?
0: So, if you're not playing as Fame, have Fame with you.
1: Okay, I I, I am Fame, so yes. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm very excited. Um, about
0: that. I like having I like having Lose with me.
1: Okay, I because Lose she's right the now one now. who's got
0: the demon in her head. Yes. Um, Beast is fun to have with you. He's the dwarf who's a pirate captain. I haven't met him yet. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then from there, uh, I have, I have, uh, I have Sabine. The um, I'm saying her name wrong, but she's the I, elf know. assassin,
1: right? Who yeah, she, is a little crazy. Yeah, she's pretty. Uh, in my,
0: yeah, in my first playthrough, um, I, I created my own character. Mm. And in this one, I'm playing as Fane because I realized that, oh, yeah, you kind of want to play as one of these characters.
1: Yeah, one of the – yeah, these are, these are this like the, the undead or like the, the, skele- the actual dead characters, yeah. these skeleton guys. I really like the way that the uh, skeleton dwarf lady looks where she still has the, like the curvy armor, but she's just a skeleton in there. <laughs> it's yeah. really what, good stuff.
0: What, what's really cool about Undead is people – if the people realize you're undead your enemies mm-hmm. I'll cast healing spells on you which hurts you. Right. And poison of course makes you better.
1: Yeah, I that alone kind of made me like very excited. I'm like uh I could go in here and just play it like, you know, vanilla fantasy game, but kind of going in there and having even just like that basic thing twisted on its head where poison heals you. I was like, "Huh, that really introduces a lot of situations where, yeah. you know, I can maybe play creatively. It might force me to be creative." So I was excited to try that. Um the other yeah. thing how do I drop people from my party so I can accept someone else in? I was trying to figure that out for a minute, and I gave up. Well,
0: you either talk to them.
1: Okay. And then
0: you, you tell people. them there'll be an option for them to go away. Or when you're bringing in somebody new, that option to drop someone should appear.
1: Okay. All right. So maybe there was just a weird point in the story where I wasn't yeah, actually going this person in my party. Um, yeah. Okay. We should, we should keep moving. Like, so like I said, we had a hard stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you yeah. playing Dragon's Dogma uh, right now? I, I know it's a good game. Well, Let's I'm playing Dragon's Dogma
0: on the PS4 for two reasons. Number okay. one, because Dragon's Dogma was one of my favorite RPGs of the PS3, Xbox One gener I mean Xbox 360 generation. Right. Um, and the second reason I'm playing it is because uh, I'm playing it with my kids.
1: Okay. Uh, how is and so, how is that working for you? Are they digging it? Are they getting it?
0: Yeah, because we made the character together. Okay. So I, I helped out. So I'm playing this. A guy who's basically as big as you can be, he's red skinned with a mohawk, but he's a but he's a wizard, but he looks like he's a big burly fighter. Mm-hmm. But he's not, he's a wizard. And that's because those were the choices my kids made. And <laughs> having your character having your children help you make a character is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. cool.
0: So basically when I when I'm playing it with them. They make all the decisions for me. I'm just the person who's doing the controls.
1: And they, But they understand the decisions. They're not just like candy and toys, more toys, trucks, explosions. I
0: don't, I don't know if they understand all the decisions.
1: But they're able to make one. The, but they're give able them, to like, make them, them, like, two such, choices. As,
0: such as, okay, do you want me to go over here or do you want to continue okay. this quest? All right. Oh, let's go over there because we haven't been over there yet. Okay. Or it's like, hey. Do you want to go around and just smash these boxes and see what's in them? Yeah, let's go do that.
1: So you're a human joypad for for kids that can't quite use joypads, right? All right. Yeah. Well they
0: could, they could. Well, my five year old could he's, yeah. He he could it very well because he's
1: – but but
0: but my seven year olds could. But it, it's just something that we're doing together as a family and it's a That's lot of fun. fun. And and we're really enjoying doing that together. Um you know, you know, you could have fun playing with your kids without playing a co-op game. You could make things co-op with them.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds like something that might make more sense in a lot of cases. Um, yeah. You have been you have been playing something that is more new than even Divinity, uh, Etrian Odyssey Five. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts? This is a, a series that I've so, tried a couple times and just never. I could never penetrate it.
0: So it's kind of like going back to the basics for this series.
1: Mm-hmm. And so the just series real, qu- real quick, real quick, for basic, people that don't know, the, the, the it's a rpg series where it's like you go like screen by screen right is that still how it works uh
0: yeah it's it's a it's an old-fashioned dungeon crawl right like a wizardry or a bite of magic and you're mapping it with the with the touchpad of the 3ds mm-hmm. so you get to draw your own maps and make your own notes um, so that makes it a lot of fun but um over the years it's become bigger in that you would have airships and you would have these extra areas you go access they went back, um, Atlas went back to just going, okay, we're going just into the dungeon this time, getting rid of some of that extra meat, adding some different races that also give you abilities in addition to your class abilities. So so it's a more focused game, and I'm really enjoying it so far. But what's been really nice about it is, for me, and so I'll probably maybe attaching more to it than it's there, but when I was started really getting into it was when the fires in the North Bay of California hit. And mm. my mom's and my brother's home were threatened. And in the past, I probably would have just stressed eat like crazy. And but I've been learning how to manage my weight better. And instead of stress eating, I just played Etch and Odyssey, and it saved me
1: from. That's go. Cool. That's awesome.
0: What what I probably would have been in the past putting on five or six or seven pounds. What,
1: what do you think? Like, what is it about the game? Is there something that it's doing with your brain that is kind of maybe touching on similar pleasure centers or something?
0: Well, yeah, first of all, you know, you get totally engrossed in exploring and opening up new areas mm-hmm. and creating new weapons with the stuff you find. When you kill, okay, so in order to make new items with weapons, armor, consumables, you get them from the items that people, that, excuse me, that monsters leave when you kill them. So it's like, oh, okay, so here's the hard nut monster, and it leaves these little nuts, and then it makes an armor for you when you sell them to the store. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. But part of it also is the areas, but then the strategic thinking that comes with the stronger monsters, the FOEs, where you have to work your way around their patterns to avoid them in the dungeon. Cause they only walk during specific patterns in the maze. It might go like that back and forth. And once you do that, then you decide whether or not you're ready to take them on or not.
1: Excellent. Um, so is this a game you're going to stick with for, for now, or are there other games oh, yeah. coming along that you're going to drop it? Okay, well, that's good. That...
0: Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, it might take me a long time to finish it, but uh, I'm you... definitely going to stick with
1: it. Oh, another These question about this series, then we can move on. Is this a franchise that you want to move to the Switch, or, or how do you want Etrian Odyssey 6 to work?
0: I want it to go to the Switch. Okay. My question is, how's is it? How's the mapping going to work? Right,
1: that's because what I'm wondering, too.
0: You don't have the touchpad.
1: Right, Exactly.
0: But I would oh. love to see it on the Switch because it, it's a portable. It's a portable series. It would not work right on a console or on a PC. It, it's a portable.
1: Okay, uh, Stephanie. Why don't we move on and see what you've been playing? Um, why don't Why don't you go ahead and start with the spooky game you've been tu- you've been uh, playing the most?
2: The spooky game. Well, is it the e- Evil Within
1: Two? Yeah. Are any of these other games scary? I don't know. I'm looking at your list. Uh, I'm pretty sure Evil Within Two is the, the one that's supposed to be scary. Anyhow. Is it scary? Uh, I, guess I guess we could start there. Is it actually scary?
2: Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I I have a pretty high tolerance for, like, gore and stuff. So it's not really – like, it's scary in the sense that you have to manage your ammo and resources and things like that. But it's not really that scary.
0: So um, is that scary or is that
2: tense? I guess it's more tense. Mm-hmm. It's I'm scared of losing my progress. <laughs> it's that kind of fear. It's not really – you're not really scared of what's – happening on the screen in
1: my opinion so. it's goopy though right i all the videos i've seen and the images i haven't touched it uh lots of goopy? white goop yeah
2: yeah it's pretty goopy you pick up green goop and red goop and there's white goop there's just goop everywhere so
1: what what, uh, what, what, if what you're
2: scared of goop
1: well, yeah what is that about like what's what is, what is goop is what i'm asking now
2: <laughs> isn't that the question we all, all right. ask ourselves. i've
1: always wondered yeah <laughs>
2: It's just the green goop is just stuff that the zombies zombies drop, and then you use it to level up. And then the red goop. Why do you do this when you say zombie? It's not; (laughs) they're not really zombies. They're like sort of zombies. They're like it's not very well defined, you know. Like they're they're called the lost, and they you can't just
1: call your zombies zombies, and your zombies can't just be zombies anymore. That's like so like two thousand twelve. Got to be something else now at this point.
2: Post Walker era, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: even Resident Evil Four, they weren't really zombies, right? They were something else. The I forget what they so called. them.
2: what are, they? are they? Infected? Was, I don't know. It
1: was like a Spanish name because it was a. You know, yeah. Was are Spanish. they are they are they
2: traditional and dead though, or are they created by something else? They're created by like a mental condition because everything takes place inside a virtual world called. The so stem. they're not dead. They're not dead. They're just dead, like ish. <laughs> okay, so they're, <laughs> they're dead they're adjacent. Not, like, yeah. They're like they're like brainwashed, huh? Yeah, they're like brainwashed mutants basically. They like kind of turn into mutants and they have these white squiggly things inside their head when you like shoot them and then they drop green goop and you use it to level up cuz it's a video game.
1: <laughs> Sounds like America, man. Sounds exactly what's what's happening in America today. Yeah, so everyone realizes the earth is really flat. They're just a bunch of walking dead goop monsters.
2: Yeah, 2017. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, the f- did you play Evil Within one?
2: I didn't because I tried. I, I tried watching a few playthroughs, and it just kind of seemed like you know, kind of like Resident Evil four, except not as interesting. Right, not, not as good.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you, so you went in this one pretty fresh. Uh, did it win you over? I mean, did, uh, you said it wasn't scary, but is it? Like, I didn't find Resident Evil 4 that scary either, uh, but I really love that game. Is, is that kind of what they're going for here?
2: I think so. I mean, they tried to do, like, the semi-open world thing at the beginning. That was kind of cool. Like, I feel like the, the weakest part of the game is the writing, but the actual gameplay is pretty enjoyable. Like, I enjoy stuff games, you know, so I liked playing it. What um, do you mean by Stuff games. Self games like where you're oh, sneaking around <laughs> i heard stuff s-t-u-f-f uh, i have allergies so it might be kind of <laughs> croaky <laughs> but yeah like it's there's a lot of sneaking because you don't have that many bullets you know so mm. i thought it was pretty fun i thought the first boss was kind of an edgelord but you know it had some <laughs> cool visuals so it i don't know if it won me over per se but i don't think it's boring anymore
1: Fair enough um I if I'm looking for like a, a October game though would you like recommend it like a game that took to play before Halloween or something mm. yeah, maybe there's better games out there
2: it's a little expensive for what you get
1: right okay yeah it's like personally. right it's a, it's still one of these traditional 60 dollar single player games and it feels like you can get scarier games that may maybe more compact and well put together uh in the indie cate- games category that might do the same stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's what I think. I like more atmospheric horror, mm-hmm. like Anatomy my Kitty Horror Show, that kind of stuff, where it's much more, you know, it's much more about the concept mm-hmm. and then playing with the concept of scary things versus like zombies.
0: Well, goop. you know, and, and two, let's face it, with your generation, what's scariest
2: student loans loves? That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and <Okay>. Health insurance. <laughs>
1: Uh, let me ask. Uh, I, I did. I have heard that this game has a uh, uh, an open world portion. Um, did, did you? I mean, is that something that you could experience, or is that something you could bypass? And then, how does that work with like a game that's supposed to be scary? Like, can't you just avoid parts of the game and just walk past it?
2: Um. Yeah, you can avoid some of the encounters, which is actually kind of cool because mm-hmm. you don't you don't go into an encounter expecting something scary. So when it does happen. Uh, like, there's this, like, ghost girl that, like, kind of follows you around, and she only appears when you trigger her in certain sequences, and you can just, like, not trigger her at all. Huh. Um, so sometimes when you're wandering around doing side quests and following, basically, uh, you, you pick up these resonance signals, which kind of lets you know when are side quests or, like, ammo or resources nearby. If you decide to, like, follow up on that, then sometimes, like, crazy stuff will happen to you, and other times you can just, you know... You just find like shotgun shells, <laughs> hmm. but it's it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot, which just kind of an interesting idea. Right. I just wish that that had either remained consistent throughout or there was more story payoff because there's basically like notes that you can read and like audio files you can collect, but it doesn't really expand on the world. So the payoff doesn't seem like it's there.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. That, that I, um, I enjoy these immersive Sims that build their uh, story out that way, but it always feels like um, in the best ones, it leads to somewhere that does have an oomph, has a punch at the end, uh, you know, a punchline or whatever. Uh, but you didn't feel that with what you were doing in this open world. And as you were finding the story through this environmental exploration, uh, the payoff wasn't there in just that. You that know that stuff led anywhere or how does it not pay off?
2: It just doesn't pay off because it doesn't. So like the big question for me is like, why is, it's like this big organization called Mobius. Why is Mobius creating this virtual world? Why do they want to take over the world and plug everyone into it? Why is everything like, you know, falling apart? And why are people turning into these zombie things? And that doesn't really get explained at all. You know, so a lot of the notes are just like, oh no, stuff is happening. Okay. Oh no, there are zombies. And it's just like, well, yeah, you know, like I'm here. I can see <laughs> it with my own eyes. You know, so it doesn't really. It's supposed to be like, ooh, it's spooky. Like someone was here, and now they're not because a zombie got them. But you know, it doesn't really. Like okay. the first couple times, it builds atmosphere, but after that, it's sort of. Like, yeah, ooh. sounds like missed yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, we can move on. Uh, what game do you want to talk about next that you've been playing? Oh, Jason, if you have a question, you can you can ask it. Go ahead.
0: I don't have a question. Yeah. Shoot. No, no. I was going to ask. Well, what about your play? Because I thought you were going to have us move on to something else. I'm sorry.
1: Oh no, no. I was going to. I wanted her to kind of go through her list, and I'll uh, I'll finish up because I haven't been playing too I'm, much. So
0: I'm just being an old man right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> God, Jason, why are you so old? <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Shout so you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what game do you want to talk about next that you've been playing recently? Um.
2: Well, I just finished High Health, which is Really fun. It's just like a fast-paced first-person shooter from a uh, guy who made Heavy Bullets, and it's published by Developer Digital. So right. just finished a review of that. It's just pretty fun. There's not much to say about it except that it's just really quirky and just a really fast-paced, and it's just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it just the look reminded me of uh, 13, which is like an old GameCube game, uh, like Roman numeral oh, 13. Geez. Yeah, that cel-shaded <laughs> shooter. Remember that, Jason? Yeah, yeah. It, remind, it reminded me of that just in terms of the way it looked. But the way it played, it, it looked just kind of, yeah, like you were saying, like a fast-paced Doom, maybe... Uh, is I it
0: mean, is it sci-fi? Is it...
1: It's kind of like... It looked like um, uh, Die Hard, kind of. Oh,
2: yeah, uh, it's like you mean game. high hell or 13? Yeah, high
1: hell. No. High hell. High yeah.
2: hell. You're yeah. just like infiltrating Satan's
1: Oh, you are. Okay. All right, yeah. Yeah.
2: And then that's like it. That's <laughs> right, cool. pretty fun. So, do. Yeah. All
1: right, cool. Yeah. Uh, I I uh, w- I've seen this game in action a couple of times. You showed me some gameplay and I'm going to I'm going to pick it up. It looks awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of. Fun. Well,
0: you know, the Devol- developer Digital makes so many well, publishes so many mm-hmm. good little games.
1: Right. Uh, All of
2: mask protagonists.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're very into masks. uh, Killing
2: bosses for mm some
1: reason. (laughs) They're they're raging
2: against the machine.
1: All the characters are going to take on masks, and it's all going to be the same person. Yeah, I don't know who, but it's going to be the same. Um, Next April. Why don't you uh, touch on uh, Bury Me, My Love, and uh, then maybe we'll get into a little bit of Assassin's Creed. Sure.
2: (laughs) So Very My Love comes out, I think, later this week on the 26th. And it's a really intense game, but I highly recommend it. I haven't, I've finished it a few times, but like I haven't gotten the good ending or a mm-hmm. good ending. It's basically, it's based on this woman's story. Like she fled Syria and made it all the way to Germany, which is like a 3,000, you know, mile trip and it's based on her conversations between her and her loved ones. So it's a mobile game, and you play as her husband who's still in Syria, and you have to help her make these decisions as she's getting to Germany. Like, you have to help her decide, should she take this route or this route? You know, who should she trust to help her get somewhere safely? And it's all via text messages, like a text messaging interface. And it's, like, really, really intense because you know it's based on stuff that people are really going through. And, because it's
0: taking place during the Civil War in Syria, yeah. she's a refugee. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it, like it takes place during 2016. Uh, so, like, stuff is happening in Syria. Stuff is happening to her on her way to Germany. Um, she's meeting like thousands of other refugees, and it's just like, and it, it like kind of tells you a little bit about the politics and the history of all the locations she's at. But it's more about that personal connection between right. her and her husband. And so, it's it's really great.
1: Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask, like, um, maybe some examples, like of how, of how that works, because I would I imagine, like it's not um, ham-fisted trying to bring up uh, American twenty sixteen politics. It's very much about these two people and uh, the decisions they have to make, right? Like that. Like it's mm-hmm. very, very focused on them. Is that how it works?
2: Yeah, it's like, for instance, one decision is like when she goes to Bulgaria, you know, like, I think it's Bulgaria, she can decide to try to add a connecting flight to make it further to her destination. But if she does that, then she's going to have to go through airport security, and you have to decide if you're willing to risk going through security without a proper visa, or if you're going to risk just, like, going, like, a shorter distance and then having to figure out another way to, Mm -hmm. you know, make it all the way. So it's like little, like sort of real life decisions like that, that kind of tell you about what it's like at the borders, you know, and kind of gives you a a perspective into what refugees have to go through when they're in camps, you know, and how the resources are divided amongst like all these people who suddenly appeared and and need a lot of help. So
1: Yeah. That gives me like just kind of anxiety thinking about it. Cause I, I, uh, I I have like, that's what the way I am in my life where if my wife needs something and she texts me and she needs help, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there on the phone trying to help her make decisions. And it's like, that stuff weighs on me. And usually it's just like, like what food to get to bring home. Mm -hmm. So it's very trivial stuff. Uh, and then to try to like, um, empathize in a way that would put me in a situation where I am thinking about, uh, you know, you know, almost life and death, you know, life and life or death adjacent again. Um, it's, yeah, that would be. I I could see why it would be intense. Um, this is on mobile platforms, you said.
2: Yeah. So sometimes she'll have to stop texting you because she is running out of battery or whatever. Oof. Yeah. And okay. then you get you have to wait for a push notification from her. So it's like someone actually. Whoa. Okay,
1: you. that's incredible. That so like on your actual phone, like you put you have to yeah. put the game down, and then you just got to wait for the push notification to say the game. Basically, the game's ready to play again, but really, it's just your wife is is texting you because she got her battery, you know, charged. Yeah. So I'm like kind of the genius, yes. it's amazing.
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can't
1: wait to play this. Actually, this sounds like a a really smart way to convey what is happening over there. I'm that. More importantly,
0: do you feel like you learned anything about the experience of refugees?
2: I think it's not anything that you wouldn't know if you've been reading the news, but it really puts a face. On the conflict you know like if, um, if you know someone who's personally like a refugee then maybe you have an insight into this but i personally don't and so playing this game really I, I haven't felt this emotionally connected to a character in a really long time like i actually really care like i've gotten a couple of the bad endings and it actually is just like oh god you know oh, yeah. <laughs> no my wife so <laughs> <laughs> so like i i think that it really it, it causes like an emotional reaction now when I hear stuff about Syria, where before you're sort of removed, like you feel bad and empathetic, you know, but you right. don't feel like a, like kind of the gut punch that you get.
1: When I, and I think that's maybe um, more interesting, interesting at this point, because I think a lot of people have try to, to do the thing where, oh, games as education, games that here are some serious topics and games could be a, a way for people to learn about this stuff. Uh, and yeah, of course it could be that, but it seems like games uh, can do the thing where it's like a a Spielberg movie about a real war conflict. Where no, you're going to learn about the human element of these of these of these battles and of these tragedies and what people actually go through. And when you think of those things, you'll think of that that person who in that mo- even that movie that you know is just retelling a true story. But you'll think about their their plight and you'll associate with that and you'll have those that that the that, that newfound feeling. That new now newfound depth of feeling uh thanks to experiencing their story. And games, I think, uh have realized that there are ways to do this. And this one sounds like one that kind of nails it. Um so yeah, I'm I'm totally into this.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's really great. I mean, it's not like fun, you know. I think we've yeah, moved beyond the discussion of whether or not games have to be fun.
1: Yeah, clearly. So, I mean, yeah. of course not. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. In my opinion, they do not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if people don't want to play games that aren't fun, that's their that's their thing. Feel you know, feel free. But the games themselves don't have to be fun. Um. All right, let's move along. Uh, I'm gonna pick that up. Uh, uh Assassin's Creed. Uh, you have Assassin's Creed and the Invisible Hours here. Are you gonna like? Are you picking and choosing which one you're gonna talk about? Or
2: um, those yeah, we can. I haven't played that much with Invisible Hours, so those are just like my two in progress games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically a VR game where. It's similar to the theater, the interactive theater performance Sleep No More,
1: oh, wow. which okay. basically
2: puts you in like a hotel physically. That's like where Macbeth, like a version of Macbeth is happening all around right. you.
1: And you're in close proximity to the actors. like and, and, yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And interacting with the actors and you can overhear parts of the story and choose which plot lines to follow. So it's like that but in VR and it's about um, Tesla's, assassination. Or murder. Hmm. So you show up at the house or you like kind of make your way to the house and then he's been murdered. You're a detective. And there are a couple suspects like clue, you know, you, there are a couple of suspects there and you have to decide who to follow and which like clues to pay attention to. So I've only spent about maybe one or two hours in it. Um, but it's like a really cool concept and it works really well in VR.
1: So. Excellent. Um, well, then let's go ahead. Let's get into Assassin's Creed. Then uh, it, it we're recording this beforehand, but the the preview sort of streaming embargo should be up. Uh, the review embargo is when it's later this week, right? Uh,
2: it's the twenty sixth. Okay. Believe. So
1: yeah, something like
0: that. And it's coming out on the twenty
1: seventh. Yeah. So, yes. So along with Wolfenstein and Mario. So <laughs> uh, how uh, without reviewing the game or giving any review sort of statements. Is this game better than Wolfenstein and Mario? Just joking. You don't have to answer that. Uh, <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> no, okay. T- tell me what this game is. I, I feel like, uh, according to these, the-, the embargoes as they're written, you can at least tell me what these games are or this game is without having to uh, spoil the story. Just what am I doing? Uh, is it fun? Or, you know, or are you having a good time up to a certain point without reviewing the game? Go ahead.
2: I can't really talk about plot points, but um so far it's fun i'm it's like really open world like the map is huge mm-hmm. and of course you're assassinating a lot of people you know but um i so i personally haven't played any of the assassin's creeds since like the first one so yeah. i was not expecting like mini games and like Detective work at some points, it's sort of like CSI Ancient Egypt, you know. Yeah,
1: that, so, <laughs> that's some, a little that's something yeah. that was inter- introduced a few games uh, ago, and I i really like that stuff. Um, is that
0: like, like that CSI Ancient <laughs>
1: Egypt? Yeah, totally. Um,
0: you, you, know, you know, CBS is working on that. Oh, yeah, of course,
1: <laughs> without a doubt. Um, is <laughs> are you finding this stuff uh, interesting? Is it keeping you uh, playing the game? Uh, is it keeping like the pace up, or are they just distractions?
2: So I think it's interesting, it's fun, but it kind of people are gonna kill me for this, but like it kind of goes back to the same issues I had with the evil within two open worldness, which is when you have like a really dramatic storyline, and like the main character, Bayek in Assassin's Creed Origins has like a really dramatic, serious storyline, you know, like and he's like a serious dude. When you have a serious character in a serious storyline and it's open world, it kind of (laughs) diminishes the impact of his storyline you know because you're like oh no i have to go do this thing and it's super important but first i'm gonna go over here and i'm gonna race some chariots you know like it kind (laughs) of diffuses any narrative tension that's there Mm -hmm. so like it's fun but i think it's a void it's like keeping me from getting really sucked into the game um but like the world is beautiful like you know, I'm glad that you still do the thing where you jump on top of the spire and it swooshes around you know and shows you like right. the vistas around you um there's a lot of hunting which I also wasn't expecting so yeah. I, it, it might just be me I'm like a latecomer. you know like
1: no I mean it's interesting to hear like that. your perspective on that because I, it for me it's like okay clearly like they're moving towards this um sort of very samey ubisoft model of open world game where the far cry games have hunting and those that that system works really well so of course it's going to be in the new, new assassin's creed games um so yeah to me like it just makes sense but I, I, it was interesting to hear like you how you come to that and like you said you didn't expect it but like is it interesting like is that interesting are you having fun with the hunting does it feel like you're achieving something
2: i think it's fun but like I don't know. It's gonna really depend on how the story pans out for me. I think is I, I can't really make up my mind until that. It, I mean, it's fun running around in a beautiful world and like shooting things is always gonna be fun yeah. to some degree, you know. So, like, is it enjoyable? Yes. Is it gonna be worth the price tag at the end? I don't know. You know, because this, this stuff is like pretty expensive, and um, if it's not bringing anything new to the table, then it has to
1: execute
2: really well
1: in my opinion anyway, since I don't play a lot of these games. <laughs> so it sounds like you're talking about like a um, there's a battle going on between the the single player story campaign uh, and the open world itself. Um, it, for me at this point, I, I, you know, I came off playing Zelda this year and it felt like the story sort of got out of the way of the systems of the world and just let you and, and kind of gave you permission to go in and, and say, no, the systems in the open world, that's the reason you're here. Uh, the story stuff kind of maybe just sprinkles some stuff here and there. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. doesn't really matter. And I think games that are open world maybe should be moving in that direction where they embrace their open worldness. Um mm-hmm. Does Ubisoft do anything in this game to reconcile the, the sort of the fight that the open world is having with the single player campaign? Or do you feel like it's just these two separate silos that you're picking and choosing at any one time?
2: For me, it feels like, Two separate silos, as okay. you put it. Like, I think, like, the reason why Zelda was so great was because you're discovering the world, you know, and there's just, there's so many surprises and so many things that you would stumble upon. Like, the first time you see that thing flying in the sky, you know, and you're like, right. what is that? But in the world of Assassin's Creed Origins, I feel like some, I'm only, like, 15 hours in, and I'm already starting to get the same sort of side quests and like same like outposts and stuff. Does it does know? it
0: feel like Dragon Age Inquisition in that regard? Or because to me it felt like the open world of Inquisition was a separate game from the story of Inquisition.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Like I think you're you're either choosing to do one or the other. You know, like I'll just I'll do the open world stuff to like grind and level up. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go back to the main quest now. But it feels, like you said, it feels totally separate. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel cohesive to me. So, I don't know. Just um, my opinion so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, of course, yeah. And, and, and that's that's fine. I'm not too surprised by that. Uh, do you think that someone coming at the game, like, for, the, for example, the way I play uh, most Elder Scroll games, uh, I'll, I'll engage with the storyline for a few hours and then I will never, ever touch them again. And I'll still play hundreds of hours of, of Skyrim or oblivion or whatever. Uh, um, you're the guy
0: who tries to get as many cheeses rolling down the hill. as you exactly, can.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'll just mess around. I'll do Yeah. I'll do that. But I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll mess around with the side quest and stuff. I'll, you know, those side storylines, I'll often enjoy those way more. Um, but you know, that's all part of the open world. You, you stumble across that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, does this game enable that sort of thing where I can maybe just at a certain point ignore the story, uh, or, or is that not an option? Or does it not feel like an option?
2: It doesn't really feel like an option mm-hmm. to me. Like I actually think the main story is kind of interesting. Like I think that Bayek is a compelling lead, you know, and like the the sort of more questions of morality that get brought up are kind of interesting. Um, so to me, the open world almost feels like a necessary evil. Sort of. I mean it's like a fun thing, you know, but I don't know, ask me in like 30 hours, maybe mm-hmm. at that point. I'll be like, no. You know parents...
0: it's, it's funny though, because you know, our perspectives are different. We're finishing the story because we wanna be able to talk about the story, write about the story, do videos about the story, evaluate the story where it it's of other game stories. But you know, if I wasn't doing this for my for, for a living, I probably would never have finished Skyrim story and I just mm-hmm. would have continued farting around in it.
2: yeah Yeah. i'm still looking for shrines in breath of the wild to be honest because i never had to review that you know so i'm just taking my time looking for ghost horses and stuff
1: i I don't regret rushing through that game at all that was a good time too that was one of those weird games where i think it works both ways we don't have to talk about Mm -hmm. zelda god no Um, but
0: i think it's something to bear in mind with open world games is you know well does the regular consumer care about the story or do they just want an interesting world to do weird things?
1: in? Well, yeah. But that's why, I, why I ask Cause um, cause I, I think one of the key differences is mm-hmm. that this character, this character is a named character who has a story and a background and you don't really like in, you know, when we play in Skyrim or whatever, you know, you're creating your own character and it doesn't really matter. And you could, you can apply whatever you want to that character and, and play that role however you want, but it very much is role playing and Assassin's Creed is role playing light where, it gives you this character and the character has a very set story and you're going to go discover what Ubisoft has written for you. And I I could see in a a number of ways, how that would conflict with um, just exploring the world at your leisure. And and basically what Stephanie sounds like she's saying is like, that is kind of a conflict at least a little bit.
2: Right. Yeah. I think if the side stories were a little bit more compelling, because I don't mind, I love side quests, but in this case, I don't know. It's, because sometimes you get games where the side quests are more fun, more interesting. They yeah. tend to be. They tend to
0: be. Yeah. Tend to be. yeah.
2: Yeah, because they don't have to do sort of like the big good needs to be big bad, and then right. they fight, and then, you know, it's all tied up with a bow. But, like, but in this case, yeah. No,
1: the way like, like side quests will work in a lot of open world games are, uh, especially Ubisoft games, like they'll introduce the first one, and it will be part of the story, and then in the world you see like the 25 other places where you could do that same side quest over and over. And like, it increases in difficulty over time and it unlocks different rewards. Uh, but it's pretty much the same thing each time. Is it, is it still that?
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I think I've gotten like a million, like heavy blades now, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I don't really use them either. Cause I prefer just like a light sword or a spear. So, like, you know, I feel like they're just giving you weapons or they're giving you a chance to level up. It's not really, I mean, like, you're learning about how people are, like, oppressed in ancient Egypt. But it's not, like, specific historical details. Mm. It's just, like, bandits came and they're bad. You know, (laughs) can you help me? So, it's just, yeah, it, it seems like a missed opportunity so far. But maybe, you know, maybe I'll change my mind.
1: We'll see. Um, last thing, the map, when you, uh, do get all the side quests, um, or the main quest or whatever, uh, does it just like fill in with like a million icons or does it try to do the Zelda, the Zelda thing where like you're picking the stuff by going up in the tower and looking around yourself? Um, like how busy is the mini map or the map with icons?
2: It's pretty busy because, um, it kind of comes pre-populated. You don't even need to go to an area to find out that there are quests there. And then you can send you have know, like a little falcon like bird. Your drone, yeah. Center. Your drone from Watch Dogs yeah. 2.
1: Yeah, it's been repainted into a bird. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah. And then they he she just like tracks like targets for you and then you just goes straight there. Okay. Which I think is another reason why it feels it feels like it's a linear open world, like all of a sudden. No, it's yeah, that's yeah, that
1: that's Ubisoft. They, that's totally their MO. That's how they've been doing this stuff. They give you a million options, but if you want to just it, they also make it real easy just to beeline right through it. So yeah, not surprised. Yeah. <coughs> Someone's my, Alexa's my yelling effort. at them. Yeah. I
2: know my Alexa. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, okay. I got a couple games. I'm just gonna talk about real quick. I've only played like uh, maybe an hour or two of fire emblem, uh, warriors. It is a, it's a warriors game. It's, um, a Musou game. These are, it's like dynasty warriors. It's like Zelda, uh, like Zelda's Hyrule warriors from the Wii U from f- a few years ago. Um, and it's just got Fire Emblem char- characters this time. There, I guess there is some strategy element that I haven't uncovered yet, but from hearing other people talk about it, it sounds pretty whack. Uh, so I'm not looking forward to even, like, interacting. Now,
0: I that. really enjoy Dragon Quest Heroes, especially the second one.
1: Right. But, I mean, do you feel the need to play another one right away? If you do, that's okay. You may Maybe you are one of those people now, Jason, and that's okay. You can admit it. That's, this is a safe place.
0: <laughs> well, for me, it has to be a world I care about. And I don't care about Fire
1: Emblem. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Uh, but there are people that play every single one of these games. They will play every single Dynasty Warriors, and that's that's totally cool. Do your thing. Uh, it's never going to be for me. Um, but even like at this point, I'm I'm th- I'm starting to think like even applying the worlds I do like, uh, I can maybe go a little bit longer without playing one of these. Um, I would maybe... totally play a and D game. There's something there. Like, I, if maybe if it was Star oh, Wars, that would I, be a lot of fun. Maybe I'd get into it. Who knows? But probably not even then. Um, you imagine you through a
0: field and killing like 185 beholders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the, I mean, that stuff, I guess is still satisfying to a point when you see that number, just keep going up. And it almost feels like a clicker game, like an idle game where mm-hmm. you're just tapping the screen. And I'm just like tapping the button and like, Oh, a hundred people killed 200 people killed. I, I, I get this to a point. Um, Golf stories. The other one I, I beat it. And I, uh, maybe like 17, 18 hours. It, I didn't have much left after I talked about it last week. with Mike. Um, I think I really like that game quite a lot. Uh, pe- think prop the, the problems are, are, are stuff that a lot of people have already touched on. The putting is a bit confusing just cause the, sl- the, the slant of the green is not physically represented in the world. So you don't like see arrows, like pointing down on the grass to say, Oh, you're going to curve this way. It's just one arrow in the top, right? And it takes a long time to sort of figure out what that arrow even means, uh, is going to happen to your ball. Uh, but, I, you know, I figured it out. I was able to get through the game. No problem. It's never very hard. Uh, but it's just it's, charming all the way through. It's just it's really. not
0: putting thing because it's not a serious golf sim.
1: I, I definitely think that's part of it. Like, it's very forgiving in its putting. So, like, you can't read the green very well. But if you get the 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 pixel of the ball. Well, near I can't the... either.
0: I've been playing golf for almost 35
1: years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. But, like, if you get, like, the pixel of the ball, like, sort of near the black pixels of the hole, it'll go in. It's, it's going to go in as long as you're not going too fast and it bounces out or whatever. Uh, it's very forgiving. Um, So it, that's why I think it's one of the reasons it, it didn't bother me, but I could see people coming from the Mario golf games that did this pretty well in 2d kind of being disappointed by that. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is something that the developers are like, actually, maybe we can update the game and put that in there since we have a bunch of money now. Cause I think this game is selling very well. Um I, I think the reasons I like it, it's just cause uh that golf that golf mechanic of just hitting the button once to start it, hitting it to stop in the power zone, and then hitting it to stop in the accuracy zone. There's just something about that that uh, I, you know, it's it's timeless at this point. Everyone recognizes it as video game golf, uh, and it just it feels good. Um, and to do that for more than just playing on courses or playing like stroke matches, you know, or, you know, yeah, stroke matches against uh, other people well, or whatever, uh,
0: solving all your problems with a yeah. golf swing
1: solving all your problems with this golf mechanic is very, it's very smart. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the way that games in the past have applied, uh, you know, RPG mechanics to every other genre, applying the golf mechanic to every other genre. Just, it's really smart. It's like a bunch of RPG side quests that just like here, how are you going to like, what golf clubs are going to use? How are you going to do it? Um, Can your swing solve this problem? It's, it's really good. Um, And I was very happy to do that for, you know, 17 hours. Like I said, um that's pretty much that's pretty much it though i'm looking
0: forward to getting a chance to dig into it later
1: yeah i think it's gonna be one of those games that will be very good if you have like a a long holiday weekend or anything like that it'll be good for that um okay why don't we hop into the news um just kind of get through this stuff we do have like we got about 15-ish minutes left so we'll just kind of hop through this stuff pretty quickly i actually printed it out so we can just look on there um Let's start with kind of the, the, the big story that happened over the weekend. Um, NeoGAF, the video game message board for pretty much it's a, a, a populated by a lot of industry people, uh, both from the media side, development side, publishing side, uh, everyone in between. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And then a and lot of fans kind of and the fans. Exactly. Um, it's It's been around for a long time. It's, it's very popular uh, in all of those circles. Uh, and it was shut down over the weekend after after. Uh, the administrator of it, Evil Lore, um, I actually can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. I didn't print it down here. But uh, Evil Lore is his online handle. He was accused of sexual misconduct, and this is not the first time that that's happened. Um, in response to that, a bunch of threads of very angry people asking what is going on here because this is something they've heard before rumblings of. And now it sounds like it's it's this, it, this woman pretty much confirming it. Um, they want to know what was happening. Those th- threads started getting shut down. Uh, by evil or i believe in response to that every moderator except for one uh ended up quitting and resigning from the site and then the evil could not keep up with the incoming post seems like he shut it down and then he hasn't quite brought it back up like it's it's kind of technically back online but now it says down for maintenance or coming back online soon um i believe at this point uh that we're recording this on monday night still not back online uh it's it's a weird thing um but it's not surprising that this is happening right now because we are coming off a, a period where people are kind of sick of this stuff, especially at, you know coming off Trump and then going into Harvey Weinstein, uh, who's had more than 30 women accuse him of various degrees of sexual assault. Uh, and if you're going to be in a position of power and this is something that gets thrown at you, you have to. there's a couple ways you can handle it uh, and trying to immediately shut it down. And then it sounds like he's now gaslighting the woman. Um, saying that she is uh, out of her mind and stuff, uh, these are probably not the ways to handle this situation. Uh, even if, on the off chance, he is not, you know, responsible for this behavior. Uh, so,
0: you know, for people who want to learn more about this, um, Patrick Klepek at right. Raypoint wrote a fantastic piece going over the whole thing. He talked to to some of the people involved. The lawyer, his name is Tyler. Tyler, Mako. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then you know. Kat Bailey at US Gamer has a nice little thing on it too today.
1: I haven't Um, read her scene, I'll read that for sure.
0: Yeah, you should probably go see that too. Um, You know, for me, it's it's really hard to talk about it. Not in the in the um, sense that you know, I'm glad to see somebody who's facing sexual harassment um, and. Even serious charges like this, having to deal with the consequences of it, but I'm just not attached to the OGA.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I visit there every once you know, in a while. It, it, it has this reputation for being very insidery, and it takes a while to get your name approved to even like be a junior member, and then it takes even longer to be a full member and all this stuff. So it's like got this exclusivity club about it. Um, and it, does, it has done a pretty good job, and this is all the moderation team that quit, of keeping many of the trolls out. It, it, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't put up with the Gamergate bullshit, for example. Um, and that was nice. That, that, I think that's one of the reasons that it, well, it had the staying is because they had a, a very attentive uh, group of moderators.
0: What's really cool here is those moderators themselves saying, you know, we, do, we don't accept this.
1: Yeah, no, those moderators this are is not legit. not acceptable. Are, are legit, for sure.
2: I haven't had a chance to read through the Waypoint article yet, but I do remember one of the posts saying that the moderators were helping sort of delete some of the threats. Do we know if that's true or not? Because I heard what I heard happen was they were helping him sort of cover it up until they could figure it out internally. And then when they asked him what statement he was going to give, apparently whatever he said really upset them. Maybe it was he was refusing to take responsibility for it. And then that's when everyone quit. But I don't
1: know if that's. I think sure. there's. I think there's a, a possibility is uh, that that is the case. Um, again, Gaff has a policy about not it, posting stuff without evidence or whatever, and I think they were using this to like say, okay, just for now, we're going to delete these because uh, we, we don't want anything to turn into a witch hunt. Uh, so let we'll figure it out, and then once we understand what he's going to say, maybe we'll uh, allow one thread to happen so we can discuss this there, um, and. and, and there is some consistency with there with how they've handled some other stuff in the past at the same time uh i you know it, it's it's tricky it's 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 a sticky situation where you're not you know this is when it involves your own management uh and how yeah. you handle that it's going to be uh, it's a it's a horse of a different color at that point uh and there really is no good answer so i i could see that still being true and then once they heard from him and, and being very upset with them they they backed off I, I think there were like i said there was at least one mod that stayed and there might have been maybe some other mods that were more more sensitive to him uh, or more patient with him for some reason. Uh, But, you know, we don't have the inside story there.
0: I think, uh, you know, what I'm interested in seeing though, is, you know, where does the discussion of sexual harassment and our culture in the game industry go from here? Will more people be taking responsibility? Will more men come out and say, you know, this is what I did in my past and you know, I feel awful about it. And I apologize for it. Or, or women come forward and say, you know, this is when I was harassed or even worse. And I feel like I can say something now.
1: Well, I think we have to we have to assume and hope that uh, that women are pl- planning that right now. I think uh, the, the story in Hollywood right now is that there is a massive. Uh, um a spreadsheet going around with uh, among every woman in Hollywood, where they are all comparing notes on who has harassed them and who has assaulted them and who's done what. So they, they can have strength in numbers when they come out and yeah. announce this. Um,
0: this. This goes farther than, that. you know, it goes to our language, you know, over the years, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, you know, Oh, talk to the PR girl. Well, no, no, that's, yeah, that's I mean, not appropriate.
1: Don't yeah, say that. it, it absolutely goes like the, the way that uh, women are first considered when they come in here. I mean, Stephanie, you might have already experienced, like you've been doing this professionally with us for a few months. You worked, in, you wrote about gaming before. Uh, I know that you've definitely gotten emails that feel sometimes like they have already made opinions on you that might not fully be based on anything real, other than that you're a woman. So this is not this is not something that's just going to evaporate. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, I don't know if it's going
2: to change until more women are, you know, in positions of power where you feel like you right. can say this stuff without getting professional
1: repercussions, you know? So, and I mean, I think that's the the biggest overall thing here is that it's not just about punishing evil lore. And there are a lot of people out there that are just trying to uh, score points against the SJWs of NeoGAF and like laughing on their face that it was closed. Cause it does have that reputation for, for like not putting up with Gamergate, but it's not about like him just getting punished. It is about getting past this and then saying, Okay, we have to do more to diversify. We have to do more to bring in people uh, of different color, uh, of different genders, of of different se- sexual orientations, of uh, you know non-binary genders. Just getting more people in here and letting them have positions of power that almost certainly they have the experience for and that they deserve on multiple levels, and not just because it's some uh, you know diversification diversification program uh, to you know be PC because that's it's just it hasn't ever been that what we have here is just a, a a culture where a lot of white men started uh, this a long time ago uh, and they used their very small rolodex to bring in their friends and we've done that repeatedly for years and years and years uh, to the point where um you know the, the 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 industry reflects the problems with our culture and our gender as a whole um, and you know, evil lore is probably just the beginning i would imagine and and hope that it, you know, it, uh, I'm hesitating because it feels like there has to be more. There's got to be more like it, we, we look at Hollywood and all these men in power that have done this. Uh, and, you know, it's not just Weinstein. Uh, we hear someone else every single day now at this point. Um, I, I don't think gaming special and that, oh, it's just a couple of people here and there. It feels like it's going to be a lot more. We're coming off of Naughty Dog being very, very dismissive of someone trying to bring right. problems to them. Uh, it it feels like we're going to have to just let this work itself out and then from there not say, oh, I'm exhausted of that, exhausted of all that, uh, oh, wasn't that so hard that we had to hear all this stuff all over again and over again and over again. We have to say, okay, now that we've dealt with the problem of, of actual abuse and actual assault, we have to go further and deal with the underlying issues of not having that diversification. So Yeah,
2: I mean, I feel like For some of these people, you know, if you're an abuser, it's going to be hard to change your mind not to abuse people. But so the next best thing is just to make you be afraid of getting caught, you know, and so everyone needs to just keep talking about it, even though it's like emotionally exhausting, like when the when everyone was doing Me Too, you know, and it's just constantly everywhere. And it's something that, you know, as a woman of color, you know, I know myself and everyone I know has been. Harassed or worse, you know, mm-hmm. and so like to see it on your feed is really hard. But you have to keep talking and letting people know that this happens. And if you're not ready to share your story, then other people need to be willing to share their stories, you know, so that these abusers will know that you know people are talking. You're going to get caught eventually.
1: And, and just as uh, like as a man, I I have to figure out way more ways to let people know that they can tell me, and and if or then I can find ways to connect them with someone that they would be comfortable telling uh, i I don't want to ever be an impediment and it feels like there there's no reason they shouldn't see me as anything but an impediment just because of the way that they are always treated by every other man uh it, when they when they come forward with 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 the stories of being abused um so it like the onus is part uh, mostly on us to find ways to be different and to be more open and to, and present ourselves in a way that says, no, we really are going to believe you. And it's something I don't really know how to do yet. I, I'm trying to figure out ways to be better about that. Uh, but it, it, you know, I just can't, I can't just let this pass and then go back to being the way I was. It's got to, we have to continue to be better. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, we got to make the people that aren't going to stop afraid. And I think there's something to be said for just like a lot of people talk about, uh, virtue, virtue signaling or, uh, performative um, like just performing the, the business of, of being politically correct. But there is something to be said about when you perform that it is at a certain point, that perception becomes reality. And you're, if you're performing rage at someone for doing something wrong, just to score points uh, people will see through that eventually, but, at, or there's also the possibility that maybe you will actually start to fall into it yourself and realize actually, no, I'm, I, I really do believe this. My life's better because I'm behaving this way. And because I've tried to do this stuff, uh and really focus on the people that have messed up um yeah we can move on cuz we don't have a ton of time and I know Jason you got to go pick up your kids in like 15 minutes so we'll move on i'm sure this story's not done we'll come back and and talk about it more in the future uh and you know if new comes back who knows what it's going to be like I, I, I don't know i think probably the best case for just that site uh regardless of all these other issues is for tyler just to step away from it and give it to someone else give it to them give it to that moderation team um. Okay. Uh. We'll we'll go through these really quickly. Uh. The first one is um. Activision has patented, patented a, uh, basically a method of convincing people to purchase microtransactions. The idea is that if you go in and you spend money on something in a game, the uh, system of matchmaking you against other players in the, <coughs> excuse me, in online multiplayer sessions will reserve a spot for you in a game that will make you feel good about having sp- spent that money. And on the reverse side, if you haven't spent any money, you are uh, more likely to go up against people who will uh, b- basically embarrass you because they have better items or something like that. Um, <clears throat> this is this really struck a nerve this past w- this past week uh, because we are in a period where a lot of people are becoming very impatient about loot boxes and how uh, the data that publishers have about us is being used against us uh, uh, to get us to spend the most money possible. Um, but my, my, my question is, and this is based on Activision saying this is not in any of their games right now. Uh, I, don't, I actually don't see how this could be in any of Activision's or Blizzard's games, just because I don't think they have any pay-to-win games. The only games I think this would be useful in, and I'm sure it actually will be implemented there if it's not already, are King Games, which are the mobile games that Activision owns. Candy Crush Saga, stuff like that. Um, but, but, I mean, maybe I'm not thinking of all the possible uses. Could you guys see a situation where this could be used with cosmetics?
2: Maybe Hearthstone, like if you're matchy as a player, who's well, there you go. A is,
1: lot of decks. Never mind. You're right. That's exactly a good point. Yeah, I, that's the one I wasn't thinking of. Jason, you're then muted. You're
2: like,
1: oh. <laughs> Jason, you're muted. Can you? Can you? Okay.
0: Sorry. That's no, okay. <laughs> so you, oh, um, you're on a ladder where you're playing people that's of your rank. So say I'm rank 15. I'm playing against people who are rank 15. So those folks are either. If they have lesser collections than me, then they're probably better of a player than I am.
1: Right. Or just have
0: a better deck. Or, you know, we're, we're about the same skill level and have about the same collections. So I right. don't see how that's going to work in Hearthstone because yeah. of the way the ranked ladder currently works. Now, they're talking about doing a different type of ladder in Hearthstone and making some changes, and maybe that would change. But, you know, so many of those games that, that Blizzard has, you know, Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm and Starcraft, you know, your your placement is is based on how well you do. Yeah, I mean, the, I the think they're they're trying do, to say that that gets better skilled p- players. So I don't think that I don't see how that's going to really matter. Some people will say Hearthstone's a play to win game, and you know, it definitely helps to have more a bigger card collection. The deeper it goes into a standard season. Uh, especially at the outbreak when a lot of, you know, the people who don't spend so much money don't have as many cards, but I don't see how in the long run it will matter that much.
1: I, I could see them using it here and there in something like, like Hearth, Hearthstone, like maybe just like maybe to juice this one player every once in a while. I doubt it would ever be the thing in, at least in a Hearthstone or, or overwatch or in these other games, uh, heroes of the storm, uh, where it would be one of the considerations in every time it's going to match making you. Um, I will say that, uh, uh something I have noted in Blizzard games, especially uh, Overwatch, is it does feel like it's taking more into consideration than just my rank. Uh, but it's not like in ways to get me to spend money. I think it's ways to keep me engaged. So, for example, uh, I've ended up in so many Overwatch matches with other people who have the name Grub in their username. So my my username's just Grub, uh, and I will be in there with other people, G-R-U-B-B, two Bs, not just like one B, like it's spelled like my name. This has happened more than I think is... Statistically likely to be a coincidence. That's uh, bizarre. It, yeah, and I and I. But the, that's a conspiracy <laughs> theory. Just, just well, hold on, hold on. I, this is going to be what you are going to think. This is way, way more of conspiracy theory. Uh, there is an in-game text chat in Overwatch, and for a period there, I was talking about uh, like it, ever, before every match, I would try to get people to talk with me about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, I'm like, yeah, it's like we're watching an episode right now. We're binging it. Like, I'm, yeah, who's your favorite queen? And at a certain point. I started getting into matches with other people who were willing to talk about that, and sometimes even had like the queens on the show their name as their screen name. Um, Okay, again, maybe that is a coincidence, and maybe I'm noticing that because that was just the thing I was into at that time. But I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Blizzard, of all companies, has an algorithm that does take in like social factors into consideration when they are matching, matching you up with other players. I think that is a possibility. because they want to keep you engaged in these games for a long period of time. And if you, oh, you and me have the same name, like that's a reason to start talking. Maybe we'll be friends now. Maybe we'll start playing together and that'll be a reason to come back. Oh, you like this same thing as I do. You like the show on Bravo. Uh, Like, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about it. Maybe that's a reason to come back. I wouldn't be surprised if that is something they've already been experimenting with for a long time and is already in there and actually serves as the basis for this patent. Um,
0: Everyone, it's worth. Noting that Jeff lives in Colorado, where marijuana
1: is legal. I mean, we can talk about that if you want. Yes. Okay. I, I, I won't. I I will. I will admit that there is totally a possibility. I am seeing patterns where none exist. I try to spot that myself when I do that. Uh, but I I I'll also I'm not the only one that's pointed this out. I've talked. I've asked people about it, and like a few <laughs> other people have said, yeah, you know, I totally think they're doing that. Absolutely. Well,
0: you know, I'm talking to Blizzard tomorrow. I'll yeah.
1: ask. Yeah, ask please. Yeah, totally. They won't. They'll never admit it.
2: So, I mean, it's like Facebook it's targeted up. ads. Yeah. And I was like,
1: social. <laughs> I mean, if they have all social this data. Social engineering. Right. If they have all this data, why not use it? Like, of course they would use it. All right. We got to keep going. Um, This is a short one. Uh, Shimigami Tensei 5 is coming to the Nintendo Switch. I don't play any of the SMT games. It is not Persona. Um, anything else to say about that? Anyone else excited? I'm getting yeah, shrugs from excited. Stephanie. Jason's excited, excited.
0: Okay. Because. Because well, it's it. I love those big, meaty roleplay games that you get from companies like Atlas, and the Switch needs more of those. It doesn't have a lot yet, but this could be the first signs of Atlas saying, "Okay, well, you know, first we'll start with this, and then we'll bring over some of our other games, and then we'll bring Persona over." Because I will totally play Persona again on the Switch.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I, it feels like maybe there's maybe Persona is going to stay on Sony for a while, but hopefully not. Hopefully they. Like Persona 5 Golden comes over to the Switch, and yeah. I'll, I'll totally play that.
0: And you uh, know, the more companies that support the Switch, the better, because oh, yeah. it, it's important to have more players in the console market than just Sony and
1: Microsoft. Absolutely, yeah. And it seems like Nintendo's in a situation where they are, they've clearly established a third pillar in that space. And it uh, we just saw, I mean, we can go into the story right now, uh, September MPDs, where we have Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo um, all doing relatively well to the point where, and Stephanie, you wrote the main story on this. Uh, do you uh, want to go down? Do you have the rundown in front of you? Want to actually just run down some of these uh, numbers here of, of um, how, how the industry ended up in September? If not, I could just read it off the paper that I've printed off.
2: Okay, not. I can pull it up if you want. I don't want well, yeah,
1: right I'll, I'll start it and let me know when, when you got it. Maybe you can go over the top 10 with me. Um, so total spending in the United States for retail, uh, physical retail, and mostly most digital, not all digital uh, sales are represented. For example, PUBG is not represented. Um, which is a big hole, but just you know, a lot of digital sales. Uh, $1.21 billion, and that is up 39% year over year uh, from $872 million in September. So with a healthy Nintendo, uh, that's a huge bump. Uh, Destiny 2 represents a huge part of that, but <coughs> if Nintendo wasn't there, that, that number wouldn't be nearly as big of a jump as it was. Um, so like really kind of big boost uh, in the, the hardware market alone. 316 million dollars that's up three, uh, 34%. Um, that's not just uh Xbox One, PlayStation 4 and Switch. We also have the Super NES Classic which was actually the top selling piece of hardware in the month. So uh Switch was number 2 and it was, you know, outsold sold PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And then the PS4 actually made the most money just based on revenue, uh not unit sales. Um when not we get into the top 10? Stephanie, do you have that now? Yeah. So talking uh,
2: about in 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, the, yeah. the the one that we wrote today, the uh, number well, one.
0: Okay, so of course, Destiny is leading.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, you know, and not just the
0: big. That was the biggest game to come out in September,
1: and, <clears throat> and it sounds like uh, just based on this first month, might be the biggest game of the year. Uh Yeah,
0: but you know, we still have time to see. You know, we
1: absolutely do. Will, will it? Will
0: it be Call of Duty?
1: Right, and, that. That's probably still not going to happen, but it might be closer than ever before, uh, which is is kind of amazing. Um, Destiny Two is not just the best selling game of September. Uh, it came out and it like in just less than a month. Uh, it's now the number one best selling game of 2017 year to date. Um, and, num- and it's number three o- over the last 12 months, only behind Call of Duty Infinite Warfare and yeah. uh, and, and what was the other one? Um, Battlefield One.
0: Yeah, what's really interesting, I thought, was the marketing for Call of Duty on TV right now, getting the old gang back together and showing, you know, how people have changed since the last World War II game for Call of Duty. I I I really like that. That resonated with me, and I wonder if it'll resonate with other people.
1: Yeah, me too. Real quick, this is just a a quick digression. Do you think Battlefield Two is the next game? Like, like they just Battlefield One, but they've already played Battlefield Two. And you know, is I it World I War Two?
0: We'll I don't think we'll see
1: Battlefield, you know, the Spanish Civil War. No, but I mean like they've already made a battlefield 2. Never mind. It, it, that a stupid digression. All right, Stephanie, what else uh stood out to you on this uh top twenty or whatever uh for, for September 2017
2: MPDs? the uh,
1: top twenty? Yeah, I mean just like what what games st- stuck out to you? Like uh like did anything perform well uh that surprised you? Um I mean NBA two k two K eighteen came out. And it was number two on the list. Uh, and it's also one of the top, the best-selling games of the year so far. So it kind of shows well, you, you we're know, in the f- fall season.
0: Both NBA games charted in the top 20. That's, yeah. that's
1: no, nice to see. Did they? No, the uh, NHL, yeah,
0: NBA Live?
1: NBA Live is oh, oh, it's in the top 20. Okay. All right. Yeah. I might look at the yeah. Yeah. um Yeah. Yeah. So. I
2: like there are three sports games right in the top five, which doesn't surprise me. But I'm still kind of like, oh, I, I have not played any of those. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: I mean, it, and it, NHL's right there in the top ten. Yeah, it's still. a good
0: showing for NHL. Right. What yeah. I was taking about, what surprises me the most was the number thirteen for poker tournament. <laughs> mm. Is
1: yeah. that is that really low? Do you you think?
0: No, it was a lot higher than I thought it would be
1: for a re-release on Switch. Right, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was a pretty good showing. I, I guess we can um, hit some of these other new releases, uh, like we've already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Madden came out at the end of August. This reporting period, I think it was like August 28th through the September 30th. So like two, of, two days of Madden weren't on this list uh, the first two days, uh, but the rest of the sales from Madden were on there. So it was number three. Um, FIFA 18 was a new release in September. It was number four or was, did that come out? It might've come out in August. Um, Mario and rabbits though, that was a new release and that came in at number five. That's really impressive because it is a, a weird strategy game. It's got rabbits. It's only on the switch. Uh, and it, 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 managed to, you know, outsell something like Marvel versus Capcom infinite, which is on multiple platforms, including PC. um, and it's got the Marvel license, not Rabbids. Uh, so you would think it would have like this bigger audience, but it just didn't work out that way. Uh, so, yeah, really impressive. Grand Theft Auto 5 is still at number 7. Um, NHL 18 at, at number 8. Uh, Breath of the Wild at number 9. Uh, getting back in the top 10 for, for Zelda. Uh, I think that just shows that people were able to find Switches. They're buying them, and they're buying Zelda with it still. Um, and then Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege at number 10. That game uh, has really made a huge turnaround, and Ubisoft has turned it into a monster. Um, people are just not going to stop playing that one. Um, yeah. Uh, any, any other highlights from this month, guys?
0: Yeah. Take a look at number 20. I,
1: I don't have the full 20 in front of me. You tell me what it is.
0: Number 20 was Crash Bandicoot, which came out in June.
1: Wow. Okay. Jeez. Jeez.
0: So, so you know, people are picking up games right now, and I don't know if they're buying consoles or if they're starting to buy Christmas gifts yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, hardware sales were up, so I, I think these yeah. are still people just buying games for themselves. Yeah, but
0: Crash at number twenty—that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that, that that game was a pretty big success. It was maybe more of a, su- a success in Europe than it was here, but still a huge success. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we had everything else: the Switch, uh, SNES, Destiny Two, Best Selling. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have. We're doing this now.
2: To, like, do, I do this now where I crush up the caught.
1: paper and then I throw it at the camera because that's fun. It's a fun thing to it's
2: do. tone of finality to it. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I've gotten too lazy to hit the cough button now. Um, so we, that means it's time to end the podcast. Jason's got to go pick up some kids. So, Jason, why don't you start? Tell everyone where they can find you on the internet.
0: Well, they can find me at GameSpeed and they can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore Wilson. All... Um, lowercase and i'm not you know there's so many different jason wilson's i'm not jason wilson for the washington post people keep tagging me as that
1: <laughs> he does he have the full one without the underscore i don't know <laughs> fair enough um all right stephanie how about you
2: uh game speak obviously and on twitter at Chan, which is s-w-e-i-j-u-c-h-a-n
1: and i'm jeff grubb uh jeff grubb on twitter uh, YouTube, youtubecom slash jeffrey Uh, we do the PUBG family dinner every Friday night. This is a thing where we just get a bunch of people from the games games industry together to play Player unknowns Battlegrounds. Um, and then we invite you guys in. You come watch on Twitch.tv/slash/gamesbeat. Uh, you can join us in the chat. You can actually play the game along with us. Uh, it's been fun. We've been going pretty strong the last couple of weeks now. It's been multiple months at this point. That might start being a little bit more difficult to do as the year comes on. Like this Friday, Mario comes out. I don't think I'm going to be doing it.
0: So I also want to put in a pitch here for Stephanie and to provide folks who are listening that she is our main indie games con- uh, reporter. So if you have news in the indie space, be it VR, be it AR, be it PC, be it consoles, talk to her.
1: It's been a, all
2: your indies. It's <laughs> been Actually,
1: this has been like really nice. I keep thinking about that like, oh, man. You get any games and like, sh- she's just going to play them. And then she's going to tell us like how good they are. And that, that yeah. it's like such a relief to like have someone on that stuff. Like, like I, I never ever would have heard of uh bury me, my love. And I'm so glad I have. So I'm, um, I'm actually going to download that as soon as we're done here. Uh, and with that, I'm going to I'm going to hit this music, and that's our outro music. And I'm going to say good night to everybody. We'll be back next week uh, with Mario Super Mario Odyssey. Mike should be back unless something tragic happens to him, and I inherit a Switch for some reason. And who knows? <laughs> things happen. It's crazy. Until then, have a good week. We'll see you next time.
2: Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Bye. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh oh oh!
2: O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of
0: professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability.